Uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast on Friday, March the 8th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the latest from the legislature and the LRPD releasing a lengthy video of the shooting death of Bradley Blackshire, by Little Rock police officer. I'm joined this week by Benjamin Hardy. Hello, Lindsey. Hello, Benji. Thanks for being here. My so, pleasure. So I guess the, the biggest, perhaps most consequential news of the week um, this is something that we, we may not even covered. It got attention in the daily paper, but that was the, uh, the referral from the House of a two-cent sales tax. I believe it would be permanent. Half-cent hi- sales tax. Sorry, half-cent to, uh, to fund highway construction, uh, referring that to the voters. So it will go to the Senate next. But Actually, I think it passed out of the Senate late this week. Um, it's got one of these things that, I mean, it's hard to keep up with all the avalanche legislation out there. And, you know, this is one of the governor's big-ticket items, the transportation plan um, that um, is now kind of being overshadowed by some of the other drama happening in the session. But it looks like there is finally this plan coalesced around road funding, which will – and this will be one of the um, – This this won't go into effect until um, after the elections next year if voters approve it. Right. Uh, but there were there were other things that were also consequential and definitely also dramatic. Uh, Arkansas, is, as as many know, has the worst protection for renters in the country, and for years there have been efforts to establish a basic um, warrant of habitability, uh, just some some rules that landlords have to abide by. Uh, have to provide for uh, the renters, and there's another go at it, and it, it didn't go so well. Yeah, you know, the key thing to understanding this led, this sort of idea is like the the idea of implied warranty, that this is something that, you know, if it's not explicitly said in the lease, then it still has to be done. Um, like, in other states, it's assumed that if you're renting a property that it should have working plumbing, that it will have, you know, doors that lock and so on. And, you know, obviously most rental properties do in Arkansas meet these minimal standards, but there are some that don't. And um, especially out in rural areas or in smaller towns where there may not be code enforcement, there may, may not be any, any building codes at all for that matter. You know, in Little Rock, there's, there's building codes that are going to, for the most part, you know, say that there are these minimal standards. Now, whether those codes are enforced is another question, of course. You know, there's certainly properties in Little Rock that are not up to up to code, but what this bill would do is say that that all properties have to meet this minimum warrant of warranty of of habitability implied um in the past the realtors association has vigorously <coughs> opposed the, these bills um often they play this sort of coy game where they say yeah we really do want something on the books because we're you know for both we represent the interests of both tenants and landlords and then they will inevitably find a reason to oppose it and that appears to be what happened this time around again? Um, so the bill's the question is sponsored by Republican Jimmy Gazaway, who's from Paragould. Um, he brought it before the House Insurance and Commerce Committee this week, and it became pretty clear that there was opposition from both Republicans and Democrats um, on the committee against it. And once the lawyer representing the Realtors Association got up and you know said the reasons why his group was against it. Uh, Gazaway, at the end of the two-hour meeting, decided to just pull it down. He said he will be amending it and bringing it back next week. But we'll see, you know, what sort of odds it faces given the opposition that's out there. I, uh, 
we're going to do kind of a rapid fire thing, but I want to make special note of Representative Deborah Ferguson from West Memphis, who you spoke to after the meeting. And what did she tell you about her reasoning? Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to her and I spoke to another Democrat um, from East Arkansas, Reginald Murdoch. Um, both of them are landlords themselves, they told me. They own small numbers of rental units, you know, not huge landlords, but they have, you know, they think they're sort of from a personal level or sympathetic to the sort of travails of having bad tenants and so on. Um, but, um, I mean, Murdoch did say he was ultimately for the bill. He just kind of had concerns about it. Um, Ferguson told me that she didn't feel that such a law was necessary in, in Arkansas. And I asked her, do you think that landlords should be able to rent out a unit that doesn't have, say, working plumbing? And she told me, well, you know, people renting go to see the unit before they rent it. And if they want to rent a place without plumbing, that's sort of their right to do so. That is a morally indefensible position, I will say. Uh, let's move on. Uh, in a vote that split the Republican majority, the Arkansas House approved a measure that would allow pharmacists to dispense birth control. Yeah, and uh, once again, this one is sponsored by a, a, a Republican as well. Um, though in this case, Democrats are, are quite firmly unified in, in supporting it. Um, interesting bill, interesting discussion on the House floor. Um, so it's carried by Aaron Pilkington, who's otherwise a quite, I would say, fairly conservative legislator from Clarksville. Uh, he is, however, in the healthcare field himself, and he says this is something he's seen a need for. Um, he sort of pitches it as, first and foremost, an effort to reduce the number of abortions in the state. More birth control means, more access to birth control means fewer abortions. And some some Republican legislators pushed back against that idea in the House. It was Mark Lowry, in particular, who cited this, this study by the uh, the Guttmacher Institute that that finds that I believe 51% of women who have abortions in the U.S. reported um, using some form of contraception the previous month. So Lowry concluded, well, clearly that if that means that um, more birth control means more abor- abortions, which is absurd. And if you go and read the study, it's clear that this group, I mean, that's exactly the opposite conclusion from what the study says. Um, you know, birth control is widely effective. Um, okay, sometimes it fails. Um, and so many times, you know, when it does fail, I mean, though that, though you know, perhaps that's like, what, 5, 1% of the time, depending on the method, um, women will seek an abortion, you know. So as Pilkington told me after the House took, the, took their vote and it narrowly passed out of the chamber, you know, a lot of this appears just to be driven by ideological opposition to the idea of birth control itself. Right. And, and he expressed some frustration that people weren't coming right out and saying that, that they just didn't like the idea of, of greater access to birth control. Yeah. Whether well, they equate that with abortions or promiscuity. Yeah, and there, there was some discussion about, about promiscuity. The bill came up and, and in the House, failed on the, the first time around, and then it came back for another try the next day and passed. But the first day there was some sort of like discussion about the promiscuity question. This will encourage promiscuity. And um, Pilkington himself got sort of upset about it, and was, he he was saying he mentioned like my wife takes birth control, and I find this to be an offensive you know thing to say. Um, it is interesting how it has split the Republican Party, and uh, we'll see how it fares in the Senate. Um, it's also kind of split the, the 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 you know anti-abortion folks because Arkansas Family Council is against it, but Arkansas Right to Life, which is sort of a more narrowly focused abortion umbrella anti-abortion umbrella group says they're neutral on the bill. So, Okay. Uh, 
there was a, a, a another bill sponsored this time by a Democrat, but with Republican support, that allows um, nurses who are uh, have DACA status to right. to go to nursing school. Yeah. So so this one potential has, nurses, I should say. Yeah. Correct. It has yet to to get uh, a vote in the House, but it passed out of House committee unanimously. Um, including some support from some quite conservative Republicans. Um, and the governor's office has said they support it. So, I mean, it seems to have fairly strong chances at the moment, sponsored by Megan Godfrey, the freshman Democrat out of uh, Springdale, but uh, also some Republican co-sponsors signed on. There's some very sort of emotional testimony from these young people who, who have DACA status, uh, meaning that they are undocumented. They were, they were brought to the U.S. Um, when they were children um, illegally. And they've graduated from Arkansas high schools. They are working their way through college and um, have found, and this is actually fairly new, that the State Board of Nursing started denying licenses to to people with DACA status back in 2017. And I I believe the nursing board has said basically like it realized that it might be running afoul of existing law if it it did that. So it stopped issuing licenses to to, um, potential nurses with DACA. And this would remedy that. Okay, just a few more. Uh, a House committee advanced a bill that would expand the time allotted for recess in public elementary schools. This one's near and dear uh, to, to my heart as a, a parent of young children who was fairly horrified to find that they only get about 18 minutes of recess a day. I remember. What do you remember about recess? Hours. Hours spent on the playground. Well, I had three recesses. Yeah, I do remember. Th- I remember a morning, lunch, and afternoon recess. So it was at least 45 minutes, yeah. you know, probably more like an hour. But uh, this would expand, uh, would require at least, I believe, 40 minutes, maybe 60 minutes, I think 40 minutes um, a day. And it... It crucially says that the state education, education department can't waive it, mm. um, and that oh, really? that inspired some drew the ire of uh, the aforementioned Mark Lowry, who's a big uh, education so-called education reform legislator, uh, and several others. It. it I think it I think it advanced on a voice vote and seemed to have wide support. Though Della Rosa did mention that she was pulling it back for what she described as a technical change. Hmm. I hope that she doesn't uh, pull out the waiver part because that would make it really easy for all sorts of districts to say we can't do this. this is too difficult. Yeah, and, and I mean the point is that because and this is probably no one could really pinpoint it but probably because of no child left behind standards years back um, we've gotten to the point where there is so much instructional time required in in a seven-hour day that you can't fit in more than about 20 minutes of recess unless you extend the day and so what this bill does is it makes unstructured play what most of us think of as recess as in, makes it instructional time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then it leaves the districts, it's up to the district's discretion to what they're going to shift around. Yeah, you know, I can I can say when my, during my very brief period teaching in a, in a public school or in a charter school or other in, in New Orleans um, some years ago, it was a, there was a school with a, a lot of, uh, you know, mostly low-income population and kids who were way behind uh, on reading and math and 
you know, desperately needed, you know, some academic help. But um, the school solution to that was let's mandate two hours every day of math instruction and two hours every day of reading instruction back to back and, you know, not really have any uh, time off. You know, that's that kind of mentality that I think schools are desperate to raise their test scores and they just and they impose these sort of draconian measures that end up often being counterproductive for kids to sit through, you know, grueling, what, 120-hour periods of uh, math and English. Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, there are all sorts of studies that show that having playtime helps. Especially for young kids, for right. very young kids. And, and so what what do, what do your kids get or what does your older child get? Uh, about 18 minutes. For the whole day? For the whole day. Wow. Yeah, so... We're for this. I hope it works. Um, the uh, another uh, uh, frustrating one, Senator Joyce Elliott, for the I don't know umpteenth time, uh, introduced a resolution f- to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, which of course was uh, a big deal in the seventies. Um, sort of faded back after. This for for for. Any listeners that don't know, that's about about uh, women's rights specifically, right? Right. Yeah, it would uh, it, it would prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex. Um, it, it's a constitutional amendment. Uh, it, 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 there's a big push in the '70s. Phyllis Schlafly and and Co. successfully defeated it, but it's <clears throat> it's risen um, it, sort of risen from the grave. In recent years, thanks to kind of a novel constitutional idea that I won't get too deep into, but you can read our blog for ideas. But <clears throat> excuse me, the the striking thing, of course, was Elliot very eloquently testifying for the, you know, why we need this sort of protection, uh, wearing all white with uh, women who've been fighting for um, for women's causes and good causes for years and years, wearing white, flank behind her, and then a group of men uh, and one Republican woman uh, just coming up with the nuttiest, <laughs> like, this is going to lead to, this is going to force Arkansas to provide abortions. and With taxpayer gonna, dollars. With taxpayer dollars. is going to lower the age of consent to 12, and it just, it was really disappointing, but... Uh, of course, props to Senator Elliott for for trying all of the the hard things, um, even if she, if she probably has a good idea that she's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So maybe the biggest legislative uh, happening this week came uh, during two and a half hours of heated testimony over Senator Bob Ballinger's bill to enact a so-called stand your ground uh, law. In the Senate Judiciary Committee, of course, these stand-your-ground laws um, have been in the news for several years. It was at, at issue in the Trayvon Martin shooting. It's a law that that does not require um, someone with a gun to retreat. Uh, if they feel threatened, they can use their gun. They don't have to first try to get away. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, for right-thinking people who don't believe that guns are the answer to everything, this is horrifying and scary. And uh, what, aside from just the two and a half hours and this being a heated issue, what really uh, got folks' attention was the raw 
emotional uh, reaction by Senator Stephanie Flowers from Palm Bluff, a Democrat from Palm Bluff, who's the vice chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and she just really lost it over this bill and, um, you know, yelled and cursed and would not be silenced. Right. Yeah. And she so she's also the only black person on the committee. And that was a crucial um, thing. And, yeah. and, and that was sort of one of her main points was that um, telling the other members of the committee, you may think you know what it's like to have kids and to be concerned about their welfare. But unless you're a black parent, as I am, then you can't you can't know how frightening it is to think about your son or daughter um, facing somebody who feels that they're a threat and, and happens to be armed. And she she talked about how she felt threatened by Ballinger, and she felt threatened by Senator Trent Garner, who's also uh, I think a member of the committee, but certainly a senator who uh, she says conceal carry in the Capitol. Right. Garner disputes that he was carrying a gun and and says that she was defaming him, and um, there's been a lot of back and forth about that, um, but. Um, <laughs> You know, this is it's it's funny, like Senator Stephanie Flowers, as as I was mentioning to you earlier today, you know, it kind of has a reputation at the Capitol for um, being very passionate about issues often and and sort of going on on these emotional, um, you know, tangents at times, Um, some often for very good reason. I mean, sometimes she makes really valid points. Don't get me wrong. But um, it's 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 kind of funny to watch this blowing up on this national level and people paying so much attention to it. Um, when I think the senator is, I mean, well known around the Capitol for for often, you know, having sort of outbursts that are very passionate about this or that. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite to this extent of you know uh, about the, as this issue though. Well, go. Uh, you, there's uh, several video clips on our website. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, finally, we can't not mention. Uh, what the House on Thursday just spent so long discussing, and that is a proposal that originated with an 11-year-old Fayetteville student to make the alligator gar the state fish, and and then, despite you know the the uh, well-considered bill, the big fish lobby, uh, yeah, reared its head. Dave Ramsey has a great write-up about this on the blog. Um, this was a new one to me. I didn't realize this was, uh, but but Henry Foster, I believe his name is, has been lobbying the legislature so um, so fervently about this. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a weird spectacle um, because uh, as ridiculous and silly and kind of fun as it all is, there was there is just this kind of thing in there about like this is what lobbyists do, you know, lobbyists uh, for catfish producers for example you know objected to the idea of the arkansas gar being the state fish the alligator gar yes the, the alligator gar being the state fish excuse me and um uh you know the i mean people in in north arkansas and mountain home there are legislators from baxter county that said like what about the rainbow trout you know this is this is a big industry up here this is this will damage our economy if we don't acknowledge the great rainbow trout it was just really gross and silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the end, uh, Henry Foster prevailed, at least on the House side. Now, the House also spent a really long time talking about statues uh, for Statuary Hall in Washington, D.C. Uh, ours now are Uriah Rose, and I can't remember who else, but they're uh, not 
um, well, one is considered a racist, and one is they're kind of out of date. I think it's the idea. <laughs> so we were going to update them, and the Senate spent a long time talking this through and came up with perfectly appropriate ones by my lights, Daisy Bates and Johnny Cash, and then the House committee approved it, and some House members grumbled that they didn't get to to give their pick, and then they spent so long debating yeah. on... Uh, and, and then they, I mean, they, they the, in this case, they kicked it back to committee because um, a, a sufficient number of legislators raised a sufficient amount of fuss about it. Um, they, everybody took pains to say, like, they're all for Daisy Bates, Daisy Bates is a hero, etc., but... Several let's several House members said that they just objected to Johnny Cash. They that is outrageous. Where's the Johnny Cash lobby? Is what I want to know. Caught off guard, I guess. Right, well, we will closely monitor that. Oh, one other thing we should mention, uh, oh. legislation-wise, before we get to the LRPD, is the minimum wage. Right. Thank you. Um, several bills. Um, well, one by Bob Ballinger, I think, two by Robin Lundstrom of Elm Springs, North West Arkansas. Um, aim to roll back um, large swaths of the minimum wage amendment that was just passed by voters just a few months ago. Um, of course, minimum wage uh, increased to $9 an hour as of January because of that initiated act, and it's set to stair-step up to eventually to $11 an hour. Uh, Ballinger's bill would would exclude people younger, for, younger than 18 years old. Um, I believe people with uh, developmental disabilities and uh, <coughs> ex-felons. Am I correct about that? Yeah. I don't know if that's his bill, but somebody has that. I mean, they picked out all these classes of... Yeah. And so some of them are classes of employees. Some of them are classes of employers. Um, so Lundstrom is targeting um, nonprofits, of certain nonprofits and developmental uh, disability service providers, uh, I think. Um, Anyway, I mean, the point is, like, it is sort of creating these multiple classes of employees and employers for the purposes of the minimum wage. And also, it's worth noting this would not just, like, before the initiated act passed in November, Arkansas already had a minimum wage that was a little bit higher than the, the national floor. The national minimum wage is seven twenty five, and um, Arkansas's was um, eight fifty, I think, and... Um, and this would roll back everything. I mean, those classes to the national minimum wage. So it'd be worse. They'd be worse off than they were before the initiated act passed in November. Well, this is just so offensive. I mean, it's offensive because people should be able to make a living wage, of course. But it's just especially offensive because it's defying the will of the people. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, what is the what is the argument for that? The people just don't know. It's it's it, it is interesting. <laughs> it's politically that they would think this was. Uh, a reasonable thing to do, or a, an okay thing to do, at least. Like, I mean, the, the calculation here is that that voters will not care that much; that they won't punish the folks who did this at the polls. And I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch this. I think these are going to have a slightly harder time going through, but I may be unreasonably op- optimistic. Well, let's move on. Uh, the other big news of the week, of course, came with the Little Rock Police Department releasing a 25-minute. Uh, what Mayor Frank Scott called a critical incident narrative video of the fatal shooting of Bradley Blackshire by Litterat police officer Charles Starks on February 22nd. Uh, Starks, 31 fatally shot Blackshire, 30 in the parking lot uh, on the corner of West 12th and Rodney Parham in Litterat. 
initially police said Blackshire was was driving a vehicle that had been reported stolen. Uh, an attorney for the Blackshire family said that uh, they had no indication that he he knew the car was the car that he borrowed from a friend was stolen. Uh, the initial accounts said that Starks fired on Blackshire after Blackshire accelerated and hit Starks. Uh, the video, which Scott said is the first of its kind in the history of Arkansas, but is a, a common um, thing in more progressive departments across the country, uh, is narrated by Acting Chief Wayne Buley, and it shows, uh, according to the police, all available police and audio uh, so the, a, a ton of different angles. And, you know, I, in some ways this is going to be like all of these incidents, whether you have video or you have uh, the official account, um, it's it's a Rorschach, Rorschach test for what you think about police and, and, and their interactions with the public. Mm-hmm. And you already see that in comments on our website and others. Uh, you have the the folks who think if you don't do what a police officer says immediately, then it's then you deserve whatever you know you have coming. Right. And then there are those who are skeptical of that idea, to say the least. So in, in the video, by my lights at least, it seems very clear that Starks uh, is on the side of the car. And uh, and maybe gets nudged, but the car is moving very slowly. And then Starks very clearly puts himself in front of the car. And uh, the Little Rock Police Department's policy is not to shoot on a moving vehicle, uh, not to stand in front of a vehicle, not to park a car in front of a vehicle. Um, and Starks did all of those things. So, I, you know, the, they, this, Scott and his press conference before this video was released made a point, and then Bewley in the video made a, made a point to say, you know, we, we're releasing this video because in the efforts of transparency, you know, we don't want it to influence the outcome of the case. Um, I'd be real surprised if he doesn't get charged with something. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that there was a similar case, or not exactly similar, but a moving car case by uh, a, a police officer, Ralph Brashears, I believe last year. Uh, this was in the Home Depot parking lot where a shoplifter being chased by police runs, uh, carjacks uh, a car, gets in, and in the video you can see Brashears shooting at the carjacker as he drives away, uh-huh. and Brashears claimed that that the car was coming after him. The video, again, pretty clearly showed that he wasn't. Uh, it, it, do you know, is a does the uh, department policy say that they can shoot at, like, the tires of the vehicle? I'm just curious. I don't know. I'm curious about that, too, and we're, we're, looking, we're looking into that, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that the, the, that the, the, the proper, um, you know, the idea is that, you get out of the way, and mm-hmm. you first and foremost are trying to minimize any potential, you know, uh, hurting anyone who's yeah. around. And in this case, there was a passenger, um, and 
she's very lucky that she didn't get the case that just the, in, in just the, happened yeah, yeah in the Blackshire case yeah. Uh, also, it's a it's a busy intersection, and bullets go yeah. far. And, and and it was in what in the middle of the day, right? It was, I mean, it was. I when I first heard about this incident, I just assumed it was like at two in the morning. No, and, it was uh, in the middle of the day, and so that we should have set it up. So um, again, he's he is the suspect. Um, this car has been reported stolen. So. Uh, Black, so Starks pulls up. The uh, Blackshire is parked in a parking lot, um, not for a, a doesn't appear to be an active business. Just kind of pulls into a parking lot to do who knows what. Uh, Starks pulls into the parking lot, jumps out of his car, immediately points his gun into the car and says, "Get out of the car." Mm-hmm. He says that about fifteen times. Blackshire interjects a few times, saying, "What have I done?" Um, Starks says get out of the car and I'll tell you. And Blackshire later says, you know, you're not going to shoot me. Um, I, I, I don't, I haven't got anything. And Starks continues to repeat, get out of the car. And then it, at the end, uh, Blackshire says no. And then at some point in there, another officer shows up on the scene too. That's right? only after the shooting has begun or just, just about to begin. Okay. And, and that officer rams into Starks' car. Uh, and this, as Radley Balco, the Washington Post uh, reporter and, and uh, opinion writer, uh, wrote on his website today, you know, this this comes just after the Eighth Circuit has dismissed uh, the the Monell claim that uh, the family of um, uh, Bobby Howard, what's his name, right, the the fifteen year old who was killed by Josh Hastings years ago and in a case that was somewhat similar where he was uh, uh, the suspect in a in a vehicle break-in he was in a parking lot Hastings said that he was driving forward and shot him uh, the accident not accident reconstruction but on the scene uh, they they seemed to um, Signs from the scene seem to point that he was actually going backward. Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore, thank you. Uh, so that's that's three cases where you've got Lerat police, um, you know, seemingly firing into moving vehicles in in cases where you know clearly people were doing something they shouldn't. They were committing a crime, likely or suspected of committing a crime. The, yeah, though, though all the three of those are also so different, you know, and the sort of just texture of what's happening there. Like the, the Blackshire thing, I mean, he was driving this vehicle. I mean, that's a lot different than seeing somebody, you know, carjack another vehicle at a Home Depot, right? Well, true, but but again, that that was in the middle of the day. That was in right. in the uh, lawn sure. at a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And the guys, you know, you let the guy get away. You don't shoot when there's... All sorts of people around because of the risk to bystanders. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also, you know, it's not your job as a police officer to impose a, a death penalty on somebody that's sure. carjacked. Sure. And then, I mean, in the, obviously, that's the same case here. Um. Anyway, it's it will be interesting to follow. I don't. I, I doubt we'll have anything from the prosecutors uh, anytime soon. Um. 
I, I don't see him coming back to the police force, though, of course, in, in these cases, you can be relieved for duty, appeal to the Civil Service Commission, and, and come back, and that often happens. Um, Scott got a lot of uh, grief, and the police department got a lot of grief for not immediately releasing the video. You know, I wish that they, they would have said, this is what we're doing, mm-hmm. and that would have helped, but I, I think I, I like the critical incident narrative video uh, he said that, that it'll be up to the police chief to determine what a critical incident is when they do this, but uh, it seemed very comprehensive. Um, you know, I, I think I think that they, they handled it pretty well. Hmm. Anything else we need to talk about? I think we covered it. All right. Well, let's move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Nothing. Okay, well, I'll do two for you. Uh, two. Great. Two albums by uh, Literac uh, natives. One, I think, is still a resident. Came out today that you should check out. Uh, one is a new EP by Carrie Foe. I think it's called Leave Me Alone, but I'm not sure. Um, I forgot. Actually, I don't know the title for either of these, but you can easily look them up. Uh, Carrie Foe is a, a great uh, young rapper, and she she does a little bit of singing as well, um, who's who's gotten quite a bit of notice. And then the uh, new full length from Ben Dickey, <coughs> who had a, a kind of film star making turn in the Blaze, the Blaze Foley movie, and uh, put out this new record on a label that he and um, Ethan, his friend Ethan Hawke, who directed Blaze, and a few other people uh have and it's produced by um, Charlie Sexton, who's the longtime Bob Dylan guitarist and has had a big career on his own. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's it's very it's sort of Dylan esque, um, and you should go to Ethan Hawke's Instagram page and and hear the promo video that he did. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Random. But yeah, ch- check out both those albums. Well, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say um, just a one line endorsement Valley of the Vapors coming up next weekend, right? Yeah. In, in yep. Hot Springs. Yep. Best event of the year. All right. Strong words. Thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, and we'll be back next week.